sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. And good evening to all the spooksters, parastalkers, our grand poobars, and the paralurkers that are out there watching us this evening. This is the Spooky Sunday Radio Show on Newcastle Live Radio. My name is Anne Rekovich, and I'm joined by the gorgeous... Me. No, the other person. <laughs> oh, is this someone? Oh, you're a... <laughs> and Renata Daniel, the, uh, the astounding medium psychic life coach. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Life Excuse coach. me. Life coach. Spiritual life coach. I'm trying to give her a compliment yes, here. absolutely. If you want to book a session with me, just get in touch with me at, um, well, info at newcastleghosttours.com.au. I am multi-skilled. Yeah. You've been helping people with your life coaching skills. I'm really impressed. Mm. So am I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you're supposed to do, Renata. <laughs> life coach knows. no I've, i yes it was a moment of zone of genius type of stuff and you yeah. go oh, you were buzzing yeah. i fit this i fit this you found your, your zone my niche yeah <laughs> niche itch or niche depending on what side of australia you're from now we all want to know how's your husband he's doing well thank you he's he's getting to a point where he just can't look at liquids anymore and it's only been a few days in he's got another week and a half to go mm-hmm. um for anyone who doesn't know He's just had bariatric surgery uh, last week and they removed a portion of his stomach, poor darling. And so he is now on fluids for the next two weeks. And let me tell you, he's he's thinking of every single recipe that he can think of to try and make this palpable. In, well, pulp. P-U-L-P. No, Pulpable. No, 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 no pulp in these, in these two It's all got to go through a you. sieve. Everything, if yeah. it doesn't go through a sieve, you can't have it. You can't go through a straw, you can't have it. Um, and we've had a good weekend ghost hunting as well. We've been to Maitland Jail on Friday night. We had yeah. two possessions. We always know it's a good night when we've had two possessions. Yep, yep. And uh, <laughs> then we had... Uh, um, where were we? Wollumbai. Uh, Wollumbai. Oh, the beautiful Wollumbai. And we actually went out to visit um, our um, Airbnb that we're going to be staying at when we do our Wollumbai sleepover. So if anybody's interested oh in that. Oh, my gosh. This place is stunning. And we'll be wow. putting photos onto uh, our Facebook pages over uh, the next day or two to mm-hmm. actually show you the type of place you are going to be staying in when you pay absolute Stuff Chips yeah. to come on a two-day sleepover with us yeah. at Wollumbai. And ghost hunting both nights and yep. all your food. And, yep. and, and, uh, it's, it's crazy cheap. It's luxury. It's luxury, I tell you. All right, Renata, do you have paranormal news for us this week? I do. And this comes from Higgy Pop. And this, this is our big question for tonight, people. So I want you to be ready because I want to hear from sceptics, cynics and believers when I... I pose this question, 
Is there such a thing as a as a professional ghost hunter? Mm. So please send us your messages on zero four nine zero eight four triple eight six zero four nine zero eight four triple eight six. And thank you, Catherine, for that beautiful message you just sent through. Let me read you what uh, they wrote in on Higgy Pop. What does it mean to be a professional paranormal investigator? Can anyone claim to be one? Mm. Or should this accreditation be vetted or reserved for the most credible. Oh, and who's going to do that? Well, who gets to say what's credible? This is what gets me. You'd think the most hotly debated topic in the paranormal field would be the question of whether ghosts exist. But unfortunately, this important question often gets overlooked. No, they'd all rather bitch and fight about things. In paranormal debates, and instead members of the community argue about what it means to be a professional in the field. Yeah, and I I have to say, you said to me, oh, look, the Paranormal Awards are coming up again. I went, oh, no. Oh, we're so entering. (laughs) Society hit me straight away because we won quite a few categories last year mm-hmm. or the beginning of this year. Oh. Okay. So on. the conversation is often started by paranormal teams who consider themselves to be ethical and credible, who dispute someone else's claim that they are a professional paranormal investigator, especially when the person making this claim is a television ghost hunter or public figure. So what is the definition of a professional paranormal investigator? Now, remember, I am reading this from Higgy Pop. I did not write this, so... Don't sledge away at me. I'm reading. Don't shoot the messenger. Uh, the The dictionary makes the meaning of this term pretty clear. Professional means relating to or belonging to a profession or engaged in a specified activity as one's main paid occupation rather than pastime. Oh, does that clarify that things? That clarifies it. So we are professional. We are professional. Because it is what we do. We Absolutely. live and breathe it. We are professional. We don't have any other job. According to the dictionary, like we it. are professional. Oh. So a professional in any field is someone who makes their living from that line of work. Paranormal investigation is a hobby or pastime for some, which they indulge in alongside their day job. Some people turn their hobby into a source of income. This makes them a professional. It's their profession. It's the same as playing for an amateur Sunday league football team and then being picked up to play as a professional for a league team with a big pro footballer's salary. And that makes sense as a musician as well. You can be an amateur musician and play in an orchestra, but if you work at it hard enough, you can get picked up and paid in a symphony orchestra. Yes. However, the definition is a little more unclear when it comes to the paranormal. For example, the top earners in the field, the likes of Zach Bagans, make their money through television appearances rather than investigations. Mm -hmm. So you could argue that they are professional television hosts rather than professional paranormal paranormal investigators. So they're paranormal entertainers. But they are still a professional working in the paranormal field. So does this mean anyone can go professional in the field regardless of their experience or qualifications? Well, yes. All you need to do is quit your job and charge people for your time and services. Then, by definition, you are a professional ghost hunter. But some investigators just aren't professional. Of course, whether you manage to attract paying clients or not depends on your reputation and professional standards. Being professional in itself isn't a a measure of professionalism. This isn't just the case in the paranormal field, but in any profession. This is made clear in television shows like the BBC's Rogue Traders, which I haven't seen, so I can't comment on that. 
Of course, whether you manage to attract, uh, no, read that. Just because someone is a professional doesn't mean they conduct their business professionally and ethically, whether they are a ghost hunter, a plumber, a builder, or a part of any profession. A professional builder can still do a bad job and rip off their clients. They're still a professional but won't be known as being reputable for long. Similarly, if you are earning money as a paranormal investigator but unprofessional or being unprofessional doesn't mean it's not your profession. It just means you're bad at your profession, just like rogue traders or even a professional boxer who's lost every fight in his career. That's fascinating. Yeah. Establishing whether a boxer or a plumber is good or bad is pretty easy as you can judge them on their results. But when it comes to the paranormal, defining whether an investigator is reputable or not is a little harder as it is so subjective. Yep. Some teams use psychics while others would dismiss mediums as frauds. So, oh, this is getting no, hot. No, the, the phone is awesome. going off. <laughs> Some teams swear by ghost hunting gadgets while others don't trust them in an investigation. So who Two standards should you judge other teams by? Remember that only one in three people believe that ghosts exist. So no matter how credible you think you are or your paranormal team is, the majority of the population would conclude that any team or individual who believes they've caught evidence of the paranormal isn't conducting a credible investigation. Otherwise, they should find no evidence of ghosts. They might even go as far as to say that you're kidding yourself or even scamming your clients. Hands up who has heard that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to put both hands in the air on that one. It doesn't mean that there aren't professionals in the paranormal field. If anything, it means the profession of paranormal investigation is flooded by people and teams with poor professional standards. This is really what is being debated. And it's the ones that wave their hands around the most saying, we're professional and we behave professionally. They are the most unprofessional. Mm. Yes, I know. At the end of We're the day, get hate mail again. Oh, I know. Being a professional ghost hunter doesn't mean you're better or more credible than anyone else. It's just your job. So there's a reason others in the field should be jealous or bitter. So there's no reason, sorry, others yeah. in the field should be jealous or bitter of someone's status as professional, although, of course, they may still question their reputation. Those in the paranormal world who oppose the word professional often question how someone with a few years' experience can decide they want to be paid for their hobby by whatever means and suddenly they become a professional. Why they, while they may call this ludicrous or laughable, this is exactly how it works. Again, comparing this to other professions, if you decide after painting your kitchen twice in your lifetime that you wanted to be a professional painter and decorator <laughs> tomorrow, you could. The word professional isn't a measure of abilities, experience or reputation. But as for what it actually takes to be considered professional, this is again a little subjective. The simplest definition would be an investigator or team who is paid to conduct private investigations, but this isn't the only route to becoming a professional in the paranormal field. Some might also be deemed to be a paranormal professional if they've written books on the topic, although arguably this might mean they're actually a professional writer rather than a ghost hunter. 
As previously mentioned, someone who hosts or even produces a ghost hunting television show might be considered a professional ghost hunter or perhaps a professional broadcaster instead. I think a, prof- a paranormal entertainer is a great way of describing them. Mm. But just because you're a paranormal entertainer does not mean that you haven't studied and are a paranormal investigator, because we are. Mm. It depends, again, by, by definition, it depends on where you're drawing your income from. Yeah. The term professional professional simply means following an occupation as a means of livelihood or for gain. This could be anything from hosting ghost hunting events or appearing at paranormal conventions through to inventing ghost hunting gadgets or producing documentaries. Give me a high five, girl. Okay. We're professional, right? Well, you've written a book. <laughs> I sell the gadgets. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah. Hold on. Chances oh, are... Oh, Only half a second. Chances are, if you're Done. Reading, reading this, then relatively speaking, you are an expert in the paranormal, at least compared to those with no interest in the subject. Your friends who know nothing about the paranormal investigations might call you an expert because they know this Dunning is your Kruger. area of expertise. So rather than striving to be known as a professional, it should be more desirable to be recognised as an expert or skilled member of the community. That's nice. However, labelling yourself an expert may be seen as being arrogant. Mm. You should also try to recognise and learn from those who are experts in their field and support and promote their work above those professionals you might deem to be unskilled, uninformed and unprofessional. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. Anne's weird story time. Now, I have to say that this one was actually sent to me by Mel Caff. I'm just going to say Mel Caff because we want to give out her last name on the on the radios from the Snowy Mountains. And um, she found this one and sent it to us. So Ooh. if you find a weird story out there and uh, would like it read on the radio, please send it through to info at newcastleghosttours.com.au or admin at ozparatech.com. So either way, you'll get us. But look, this is a bit of a hairy one. I'm a little bit concerned to read this out. Okay. I'm, I'm sitting down. I don't I'm think fine. we're going to say the P word, but we get close. <laughs> <laughs> now, thank you, Mel, for this. China's officials have launched its latest crackdown on, you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Funeral strippers. Oh, no. Yes, People who strip at funerals, they're cracking down on it. In China? In China. The country's Minister of Culture (laughs) announced late last month that they will be targeting a slew of rural provinces for their obscene and vulgar performances at weddings, funerals and temple fairs. China state-run Global Times newspaper reported. Whoever would have thought how, how, that... How, how does that happen? How, how does funerals and strippers go into the same word? In China. Same sentence? In, in China. China. All right. So as part of the new crackdown, a special hotline will be set up for the public to report any funer- funerary misdeeds in exchange for a monetary reward. Mm-hmm. Or your life. Yeah. So there, there's a hotline you can ring. If you see someone stripping at a funeral, please ring them and they'll give you money. It's just like putting dollar bills down your panties, isn't it? Uh, oh, okay. This is getting worse. <laughs> Apparently, it's been a long-time tradition in rural China for residents to hire strippers to partake in bawdy performances at funerals in order. Now, this is the reason why they do it. To attract larger attendance of mourners. Oh. <gasps> 
So the the belief is that the bigger the turnout at the funeral, it's more of a sign of honour to the dead. Uh-huh. So instead of saying, we're going to put free food on, <laughs> we're going to put strippers on. Oh, my gosh. Okay. According to the Global Times, scantily clad women in sexy lingerie and revealing clothes show off their bodies in front of an electronic screen displaying a black and white headshot of the deceased (laughs) (laughs) with text reading, We offer profound condolences for the death of this man as the stripper is ripping her clothes off in front of them. And this is Goodness. part of the modern funeral service now in rural China. Oh, imagine if they started doing that in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'd love it. <laughs> they'd have that cap on with the tinnies in their head and they'd have the tubes down into their mouth. Oh. Uh, in describing a typical scene in which strippers perform at a funeral, the news site continued, the crowd of uh, of pushed to climax... Uh, <laughs> Right. I'm yes. just reading what's written here, please. Right. Roaring with laughter, whistling, applauding and cursing as the performers saunter into the audience to jiggle their breasts and rub men's crotches. There's a gentle reminder saying no photography allowed <laughs> can be heard. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And it's not the first time that the Chinese officials have waged war against this bizarre practice. They started it, though. Apparently, in 2015, the Ministry of Culture announced its plan to rid the bizarre and increasing popular striptease performances for corrupting the social atmosphere, the news site reported. This is also not the first time China has tried to stamp out the practice Altogether, but in 2015, there were two villages in the provinces of Hebi and Jiangsu that made headlines with viral photos of strippers at funerals inviting grieving men to come onto the stage and undress them. Now, you imagine if they've just lost their wife. I, I can't. I just can't. They've dragged them up onto the stage and, and saying, Take my clothes off. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Oh, this, um, hang on, I've lost, yes, um, seniors and children are seen standing nearby watching attentively, or standing to attention. <laughs> this is really bad. Oh my gosh. This is worse than Liberace and the, the UFOs. Right, the peculiar practice dates back to the 1990s, according to the Global Times, which reported that experts attribute the stripper's performance as a way to, it's not only, uh, you know, to make the... The, yeah, the attendance bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fertility worship. Oh, that's a stretch. I th- that's <laughs> a stretch. That is really a stretch. In some local cultures, dancing with erotic elements can be used to convey the deceased wishes of being blessed with many children. Uh-huh. Right. I can just see the, the poor widow who's about to pass saying, please make sure it's a good stripper. I want my husband's sperm to flow free and make more children. Right. Not. Uh, Kyung Haiyan, a media professor, told the news site, according to the interpretation of cultural anthropology, the fate is originated from the worship of reproduction. Therefore, the erotic performance at the funeral is just a cultural atavism. 
That just sounds like big words to me. From the perspective of folklore, festivals and rituals such as the Chinese New Year are the critical time for people to lay down their life and embrace the death. That's the moment for them to release their passion at the funeral. Mm. Okay. Maybe we should have had that as the topic <laughs> for the night. Mel, how did you even come onto this particular... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> She said how, it, not me. How, how did you come across the, um, this particular article? Because it's fascinating. Um, uh, we've got some comments here. Uh, hang on, let me see. Um, portable tree, Christmas tree has said, uh, I need strippers at my funeral. <laughs> not take, not talking about paint strippers. <laughs> Puts a whole new concept behind bare funerals. <laughs> Oh, dear. Um, yeah, so I, I I, just thought when I saw that, because we were going to talk about downloads this week, and when Mel sent that through, I thought, no, we have to do that. Yeah, well, downloads might come next week. There's <laughs> other things that came this week. <laughs> I'm just mortified. And that's if you want to have a look at the picture, I put a picture up on Newcastle Live Radio Group on Facebook where there is an example of the um, the deceased person in, on the big screen yeah. uh, with the writing underneath it. Um, but I didn't put in the picture of the actual, uh, <laughs> what do you call it, um, the, the girl stripping. But mm. I do have some pictures. I can put them up if you want no, to see no, them. No, thank you. No, thank you. You sure? Uh, Jody actually says, yeah, I want to know what Mel was searching to find that one. <laughs> <laughs> what did you type in your search engine, Mel? Mm. We need to know. All right. Um, with that, we're going to jump to a song. And after this song, we're going to head into Spooky Chat. And we're going to be t- delving more into what people have responded to tonight's question about mm-hmm. what is a paraphrase normal professional investigator mm-hmm. and does anyone have the right to call themselves that mm-hmm. and already i have stuffed it up apparently it wasn't mel that sent me that one so now i'm very confused who sent it to me it oh. must have been one of my um yeah or it could one have been of one of mine things. i mean yeah. we are searching for all sorts of haunted weird things on the interwebs so this now brings us to uh, uh so apologies mel um we have to get to some of our comments renata so yeah. i'm going to read some of these out. Now, our first one up was Crispy, who said, a professional, meaning engaged in a specific activity as one man's paid occupation, one's main paid occupation rather than a pastime. Mm. Right? So she said, as a professional boxer. So the thing is, we don't charge people to help them with paranormal problems. We don't charge them to go into a, a location where there is a haunting and help them with their problems. Mm-hmm. But that is just one part of what encompasses um, paranormal investigation. So we actually do tours um, and events and uh, all of this sort of stuff, and um, this is our full-time job. So therefore, I guess we could call ourselves professional mm-hmm. in that if someone said, well, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a professional paranormal investigator. Hmm. I, I would probably lean more towards a professional, uh, sorry, paranormal entertainer. Yeah, but paranormal entertainer also kind of... sounds like a comedian, yeah, which yeah. I mean, I know we do that as well, yeah. but... It, it, I don't think it, it adds to the the depth of what we can do or what we provide. And look, I, I think um, one person would call uh, one aspect of paranormal 
um, professional and another person would look at it and go, but that's not. Mm. For example, uh, Joe said, to be professional, you can't be an orbist, can't believe in orbs. Um, you need to know what you are doing both professionally and ethically and should always be learning more, always debunk first. And there's nothing professional about Zach. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I mean, that some people believe in orbs. It's more of a spiritual belief and Mm -hmm. they're calling themselves professional based on spiritual beliefs. Mm -hmm. And that's a belief system. Mm -hmm. So unless you're a priest... Um, then you're really not doing um, or you're employed in some sort of spiritual way as whatever it might be. You can't actually call yourself a professional from the point of view of that's not your main um, way of earning money. Mm -hmm. It all Mm. comes down to earning money. Mm. Um, So, I mean, if you're earning 50 bucks a week running a tour here and there, I I would still call that amateur. I would not call that a professional. That's not your main source of income. Yeah, and you're obviously doing other things as well Mm. to earn money. So you've got a a day job, as they say. You've got a day job, and that's your weekend job. Is a weekend job enough to... You quantify you as being a professional. Uh, that's a good question. Maybe some of you might chime in on that one. You, you know, can you have two jobs and can you be professional at both? Well, uh, see, I think Pete from Appy does. Mm-hmm. She has two jobs. She's got a full time job Monday to Friday and she runs a thriving business mm-hmm. um, as the paranormal investigations on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all right. We're going on to Maxine now who raises yet another interesting point. Mm-hmm. If you study the paranormal, Yes, if you don't, no. But you can say that you're a paranormal investigator. Now, once again, there is different forms of study. Yep. There are some that are at university levels and there are others that are a weekend course that gives you a certificate and calls you an exorcist. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) Does that allow you then to give your um, knowledge however much that might be to other people to assist them is that is that enough what would people say is enough to be able to go into someone's home and say you have a ghost or there is something paranormal happening here what would be enough for you for example to go um i'm happy for this person to come in and give me advice you would be looking for someone who would have the same belief system as you. Because as you know, we've helped people with paranormal problems. We've given them logical explanations for what's happening and they don't like the explanation because it's not exciting. So they'll go and find a team that will give them the answer they want. Mm, That's true. That's happened sometimes, yep. Uh, All right, Catherine. uh, Evening, ladies. Thank you so much for the year you have both given have loved every minute bring on 2022 yeah bring it on thank you beautiful now she also says unfortunately no one walks around with a sign on their head you have to be careful out there yeah you do and really the only education people have is what what they watch on tv mm. and this this is where the double and, us. and the, this is where the double-edged sword is so if you go out there and you go onto youtube or you go onto uh, other shows and you present like we do we've been on um, for the last half of the year we've been going on to um, some US uh, networks and we are pre- presenting presenting twice a week to America yeah, it's that f- for some people that would look be be seen as being um, uh, egotistical Australian ambassadors and <laughs> and showing off but 
if you think of, well, how is a normal person going to know if you know anything or not? It's only when you appear somewhere else and show them how much information you do know. It's like your daughter who is a hairdresser Mm -hmm. who posts on Facebook um, the results of her beautiful hairstyles and people will go, God, she's doing a good job. Otherwise, people would not know. That's right. It's called self-promotion. You have to go out there and you have to show people how much information you actually have absorbed over the years of study so that people go, yeah, they know a thing or two. And it's pretty quick to pick up on whether people actually know what they're talking about or not. Um, I do remember seeing a presentation recently and this person was put forward as an expert in that area and they had no idea. It was all spiritual personal beliefs rather than actually working through science. I can't Mm. remember what it was, but I was just floored and I I actually wrote into the people that were running it and said, this is not on. This Mm. is just bias. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, We've got time for another one. Mm -hmm. We've got Deborah Ann. Great questions. Great answers, guys. If someone uh, tells me they are professional, I would think they are someone who charges for their services and has the training and experience to back it up. You have put the money and hard work into studying your profession. I would consider you, Anne and Renata, professionals and people like Amy Bruni and Adam Berry. Oh, wow, to be put in the same sentence as them. That's awesome. Thank you. People like that. But there is uh, probably a lot out there that aren't famous too. And you're right. That's true. Probably depends if you believe in orbs. (laughs) Did she put that? Yes. Twice, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much, Deborah. And, and look, it's I have to, I'm going to admit it, that when I started out in paranormal investigation, I, st- I suffered from the Dunning-Kruger. Mm-hmm. Did you? Um, look, I've, I have to go way back 150 years. Yeah, you've been doing this a lot longer <laughs> than me. I've been doing it a lot longer, and I have seen the changes that have evolved in the spiritual communities, um, and not so much as in ghost hunting, because I came to it probably 20 years into being in the spiritual community. Um, I hovered around the edges, but I really didn't get into it. She lurked. Um, until probably you know 2008, 2009, when I actually started to really um, embrace the whole work part of it Um, and even in that period I have seen so many major changes because again it is the the thing of how do you get yourself out there without appearing as though you are hell-bent on some ego trip um, and just allowing people to understand and know what you know and there are many people who know lots of things where we're not in any way shape or form saying that we are the only or the best or whatever we the whole idea of being in any profession is that you you have your base knowledge but you are at a point where you will always understand that you can learn from people who know more than you do and there are always people who know more than you do yes absolutely for those who don't know what the Dunning-Kruger effect is that is where you think you are an expert a self-declared expert in the field and I do believe that um, the Warrens were suffering from Dunning-Kruger. They were self-declared experts, demonologists, exorcists, uh, and I don't really think they had a wide uh, knowledge on the the whole field. They just had their spiritual beliefs. 
I don't know. Maybe there is someone who is listening at the moment who may be part of the Warren Foundation or knows more about their um, background that can say or can um, chime in on this and let us know what their expertise or what their knowledge base was. That would be awesome. And our knowledge is only coming from the research that we've done on the True Hauntings podcast where we've looked into a lot of the cases they've been involved in and Mm. it's a little bit concerning Mm. actually. Hmm. So, Lisa, thank you for commenting for the first time. Some professional standards for paranormal investigations can include being critical of evidence, knowledgeable of how equipment works, and aware of confirmation bias. Amen, Lisa. Mm-hmm. A woman, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that- Absolutely. They're all interesting points. And um, as we go into the next song, let's stick on this subject just for a little while. Or if you have a specific question that you would like to ask us uh, in regard to anything that's associated with the paranormal, or hauntings or ghosts or whatever it might be. Remember, the number is 0490 We would love to hear from you. That's 0490 And I'm going to throw out another curly one now. So thank you for those people who have said that they would consider Renata and I to be professional paranormal investigators. Um, now, not that we're considering doing this, but if we did... Should we be paid to go into people's homes and help them as professional paranormal investigators? And how much would should someone like us charge to do so? Oh, lord! I'm no, I'm just putting this out as a can of worms because yeah. I'm I'm curious to see what people think of this. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. What did you discover about the Warrens during the break, Renata? Oh, well, look, I, I went having a look for um, any information that might be online with regard to their qualifications. And um, I, I can't really sort of jump into this conversation because it's only um, I've only been looking for about a minute or so. But um, uh, they were very good artists and uh, I think they painted houses and investigated haunted places. I they apparently opened their own um, uh, uh, psychical research foundation um, in the 1950s. And um, all of you will have to go in and do your own research because there's the camps of who likes the Warrens and who doesn't like the Warrens are two big ones. It's, it's very similar to those that believe in orbs and those that don't. Um, and we can get quite um, into big conversations when we talk yeah. about this. and we don't so. want to get liable either. No, no. <laughs> uh, and, it's and only our own personal opinion on yeah. what we have researched. But um, it would be great to know what their, uh, well, their now, skill set is. You also said that uh, it said they never charged for investigations, yes. yeah. but we do know that they charged travel expenses. Right. And yes. you can build a lot into travel expenses. Yeah. They, never, they never charged for investigations. They did charge, though. They made their money from... Workshops, um, uh, books, books, movies, movies, uh, and talking about it, so and uh, displaying their haunted items yeah. in the museum, which yep. they collected as they went around and said, "Yes, that's haunted. I'll take that from you." Yeah, but <laughs> from if we go right back to the very first thing that we talked about, they would have been caught beat being called professional paranormal investigators because this was their main when they turned it into their main source of income Mm -hmm. that was their main source of income 
but their main source of income was the travel expenses. <laughs> now, look, I know they also did the, the lectures and the books and yes. the, everything else. Anyway, um, now, Sandra, thank you so much for your kind words. I would pay for your services, but that's because I've seen, read a lot of your work, think you are qualified, and I believe you would be ethical to people and would not overcharge. That's very kind of you. Nobody's willing to put a price on it, though. Um, now, Portable Christmas Tree says, I have no ghosts and would like a resident ghost friend. It would be helpful if they knew something of plumbing, carpentry, or even <laughs> maybe a ghost rider. <laughs> if this is possible, where do I advertise? I'm not saying the F word. She's put in there, happy for F word. That's the little creatures with wings. The laundry F word. The housework. housework. She's put house help. Uh, F word. Um, seriously, can you get walk-ins and how? <laughs> you just want to trick us into saying the F word. Yeah. Every time we say the F word when we're live, systems crash. Yeah, we're not going to. Uh, all right. What's Catherine got here before we head to our last, last song before the news? If you're providing a service worked out beforehand, payment should be expected with a money barter or donation. Now, that is something I have done before when people have said, no, I want to pay you something for your services, mm-hmm. I have said, just make a donation to your favourite charity. Mm-hmm. That that would make me happy and it would help someone else. Mm-hmm. So you're paying it forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should nominate charities. Yeah. yeah but look, if, if we had to travel mm-hmm. um, and they were desperate, then I think that it's okay to ask for travel money. I mm-hmm. really do. Mm-hmm. And if you have to stay overnight somewhere, then you need accommodation money. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't come out of your pocket. No. But most of it you can solve over the phone. Yep. Yep. You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live Radio. And it is my turn now to regale you with a story from Australia. Oh, I can't wait to be regaled. Mm. (laughs) The haunted archives of Australia. And we are going to Berrimah Jail. Oh, and this is up for sale. Mm. Now, we're not talking about the courthouse, which is next door. Mind you guys, if you get the opportunity oh, to do the Appy awesome. ghost hunt there, go do it because it is it is awesome. We've yeah. had weird stuff go down in there. And Berrimah is a beautiful little place. It is. Mm. It very, is. Very cold. <laughs> that's what we love about it. So I'm tonight going to be talking about one particular ghost that's been seen at Berrimah Jail, and she's called Lucretia Dunkley. Isn't that a beautiful name, Lucretia? This is from from the courthouse. Yes. And she crosses over between both of them because she was in both. All right, okay. So the shapely black-gowned figure always appears with arms raised and fingers outstretched. Pale, emaciated arms and long, bony fingers reaching. I was going to actually probing, do that then, but then you said skinny and I went, no. For something apparently lost. Observers freeze as a spectre moves, stumbling like a blind person on an unfamiliar Ouch. path towards them. And sightless, this spectre must surely have been, for where its head once joined its neck is a gory seeping stump and nothing above it. If the spectre's mutilation and its scrabbling motion were not enough to terrorise watchers, then the gurgling noises described as strangled sobs by some and gasps of breath by others, which came from the neck stump, were sufficient to curdle the blood of even the most stout-hearted. Did I do good sound effects? 
If you have wandered in the cool of the evening among the whispering pines in front of Berrimajal in the southern highlands of New South Wales at any time in the last century and a half, you too might have encountered this horrific spectre. Dozens of others did, and very few stayed around long enough to find out who it was or who it once had been to learn its history. The few who did discover a tale almost as shocking as and even bloodier than the spectre itself. So this is a story. In 1833, Governor Burke gave permission for Lucretia Davies to marry Henry Dunkley. The fact that vice-regal permission was needed indicates that the bride was under age or under sentence as a convict, or both. The marriage took place at Sutton Forest and the couple settled on a farm near Gunning, 50 kilometres west of Goulburn. Lucretia was what they would call today as sexy, describing her as sane one day and reduced to a state of idiosity the next. At Easter 1961, two students camping at Berrima claimed they were awakened in the night by the sounds of sobbing and laboured breathing and that when they scrambled from their tent, they saw Lucretia's ghost wandering around the ruins of the Three Legs of Man Inn. Ooh, three legs of man in. We need to go there. Oh, the location. What's the third leg, Renata? I don't, don't know. The location <laughs> ask, makes the students. Rob, Rob. What's claim, his name? Harris. <laughs> the location makes the students' claims a little dubious, but their description of the ghost and of the icy terror that gripped them as they watched it stumbling about accord with the evidence of Lucretia's other victims. That 50-year-old sighting is the last on record, although local ghost tour operators would have us believe Lucretia is still around, and an old resident of Berrima reminds people she may yet reappear. She's still searching, you know. She hasn't found her head yet. He's right. She hasn't. There are many relics of this gruesome story, and Berrima Jail made famous in Rolf Boulderwood's novel Robbery Under Arms and Berrima Courthouse, an imposing building in classical revival style still stand, and although the fact is not widely known, Lucretia Dunkley's skull remains to this day in the collection of the Australian Museum in William Street, Sydney, oh, wow. 100 kilometres beyond the reach of her ghost. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, I'd like to do, do, an, do an EVP session there. That'd yeah. be cool. In, yeah, next to her skull. Lucretia, are you there? Talk to me, Lucretia. That's a, that's a really interesting story. Now, I wonder can, if you, you guys like that. Yeah, can I tell you my memories of Berrima mm-hmm. and why it is burnt into my mind forever? Yeah, go ahead. I shot a movie there called Beast No More. Ah, yes. And it's, yes, there was I a little... I remember you licking somebody's face. Yeah. Oh, look, I was going to get to the punchline, oh, but never mind. Let's ruin the moment. <laughs> sorry. Oh, God. There is a little convict slab hut, and it's quite historical. And um, we did the initial filming at Old Sydney Town in July in the dead of winter, and it was freezing cold. So they'd rugged us up with all this clothing, and I had like an old seaman's jacket on. <laughs> As you do. Um, and I, I looked like I was 
wild. I, I was supposed to be this feral sort of country bumpkin type of thing um, in bread, as you do. Mm-hmm. I have that look. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to do some pickup shots and other shots uh, of this scene um, where the, the main character gets raped by one of the ladies. The mm-hmm. ladies rape him, mm-hmm. right? So... Uh, The problem was they could only get this place in January. Mm -hmm. So we had to wear the same clothing that we wore in July. Uh Uh-huh, in January. In January in Berrima, in this little slabbed wooden hut underneath all the the movie lights and the cameras in there and there was all these people in there and we were dying. It was a 40-plus degree day. (sighs) But my memory... Mm -hmm is when they had the poor fellow tied up to the bed, Mm -hmm. I had to go and tease him a little bit Mm -hmm. and walk up to his face. (laughs) And for those who know who this is, it's Dan Ewing from Home and Away Mm -hmm. and has now done several movies, Mm -hmm. very handsome. I terrified him apparently. Mm -hmm. And he's gone to me, lick my face. (laughs) What? He said, go on, lick it. Lick my face. It'll be really, you've done this. Because I used to do this thing with my tongue. I'd, I'd be really grotty. Right. So we hadn't told the director. And I've gone in. We've, I've done the scenes. And I've gone up to him. And I'm like sniffing him. And I go right up the side of his face. <laughs> and then we've, I've got to the end of the lines. And they've gone, cut. And then everyone's just burst out laughing. <laughs> It was hilarious, and he was so sweaty and salty, but I didn't mind. Oh. I, I took one for the team that night oh, or that you're day. So brave! I oh, know, right? So brave. I've got a really funny photo of him somewhere where he's got this really scared, terrified look on his face, and I'm standing next to him with this maniac look on my face. I'll have to dig it out. I'll pop it up onto uh, Newcastle Live Radio page if I can find it. Mm. Yes. Sorry, it's all about me. <laughs> and look, um, yes, we have been to Berrima. I've only been there once on a ghost tour with Appy, and it's wonderful. Uh, the courthouse itself is filled with uh, mannequins. <laughs> And uh, that's a little bit scary. But there is actually uh, two mannequins of – there's one of Lucretia Dunkley and her husband. Ah, there is. Yes, yes, in in the courthouse. And I I do believe we were using the spirit box or something like that and we managed to get some – conversation happening with that's who we thought it was we thought it was that the the pair of them yeah Mm. Mm. very interesting well i've got a picture of brian cano there no that's not the same no (laughs) (laughs) so yes uh there are great teams all around australia who are providing awesome ghost tours in awesome sites and now that we are so close to opening up again really if you're someone who is interested in this go with a great team that is out there and providing you with an enormously fantastic site that you can go to and experience all of this because it will really make your day and your night and your year now if you would like to come and ghost hunt with us at one of Appy sites on the 7th of may We are doing the 9pm adult ghost tour with whoever wants to come. Now, we're not running it. No. We are just there as guests, Mm -hmm. but we are putting the invitation out that if any of the Spooky Sunday fans or the Anna Renata fans or whoever wants to come, join in. 
Come and say hello. Mm-hmm. 9 p.m. 7th of May, Old Gundagai Jail. Mm. It's a bit of a trip. It is. It's a five and a half hour drive for us. And mm-hmm. we're going to drive there, stay the night and drive home again. And it will be a hoot all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but come and join us. Come have some fun with us. Because uh, I think all the Parastalkers have already booked out uh, the, about 15 spots. And they've added some extra spots for our people. Oh, awesome. So the 9 p.m. tour. Don't get confused and book the early one. Make sure it's the 9 p.m. tour. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we do too. We we try and find ghost tours around Australia and uh, go on those tours as guests. And we're not asking for freebies. No, we're, no, we, we'll pay our we're way. We're paying our way. Um, but and nor do we take over. Yeah, we Much? we love to <laughs> <laughs> we love to pay it forward and also go out. And when we have time, apparently we have no weekend free next year. No, uh, <laughs> we, uh, there was one in June, but that's, that's now going. Be gone. <laughs> it's gone. Um, uh, to uh, take part in somebody else's tours. So if that's that's the fun of what we do. It is time for Anne's oh, Trash and Treasure. It is, and I did find the photo and I have popped it up onto Newcastle Live Radio. So um, you can see, I've put the name of the movie there in case anyone wants to watch it. Um, it, it is an interesting movie. Um, yep. Anyway, you can see Dan's terrified look on his face when, yeah, I snuck up behind him. All right. We have got a haunted doll for you this Another week. Another haunted doll. I know, right? Oh, I love and haunted dolls. I did Poppy's photo up onto the uh, Newcastle Live Radio group. And um, Liz said it sounds like it's going to be an excellent show. So she's going to be listening in. Um, the doll's name is Elliot. They said Karen thinks that Elliot looks like he's suffering from the old wandering eye syndrome. <laughs> Whoever painted his eyes on didn't quite do a good job. Oh. Um, Catherine said that Elliot looks like a real charm, a dapper in dress. What more could you want? Mm. Well, Catherine, you are very close to the real story of haunted doll Elliot, romantic poetry writer. (laughs) It's a doll! Looking for a lady companion. (laughs) Jesus. Now, this is the segment where I find supposedly haunted items that are for sale on the internet, and we determined whether they are haunted trash or treasure. Now, this one is currently available on eBay. He was still there when I checked last week. He may have sold between now and then, but he was a bargain price of only 82 Australian dollars. Oh, by the way, everyone, I've bought Renata a Christmas present. (laughs) (laughs) It's not this one. It was much cheaper. And it's not coming from very far away. Um, so yes. let me oh, let me read you this wait. because look, they've done a great job of reading out. I, I haven't read this for a while, so mm-hmm. I hope I don't wander off. Okay. Um, Merry meet. Welcome to a very special auction for a very romantic male spirit called Elliot. Elliot is a very beautiful spirit. And he has asked me to rehome him as he is looking for a lady companion who will spend time with me and who appreciates poetry and literature. Please go and have a look at the photo of this doll on the Facebook page. He looks like um, a Ken doll, uh, probably about the same dimensions, wearing a tuxedo. Uh And his eyes aren't quite painted... To be looking at the one spot. A little bit skewy. Elliot is the most romantic spirit guy in my entire collection. His spirit is of a poetry writer. He is a very creative gentleman who loves to write poetry for the ladies. Mm. Don't know how he does that with his little plastic (laughs) fingers. 
sure there's other things he can do with his little <laughs> Oh, Christy, I'm sorry you've got to come on after this. You've got no hope. When he was alive, uh, he, he was saying... <laughs> the early 1900s. You're very sceptical, Renata. Oh my Listen God. to the story, please. Right. Okay. Elliot would write poetry for the lady who I was accompanying visiting. He was always immaculately dressed in a suit and looked very similar to the, his chosen vessel. Elliot would show up with roses and beautiful poetry addressed to his special lady. Elliot was a true gentleman. He enjoyed the company of women and he always treated them with a great deal of respect and made them feel very special. He was charming, very wealthy man who enjoyed spending money towards making each date special and tailored to my lady for the evening. He sounds like a gigolo. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. This is a a description for a doll in eBay. Isn't it amazing? Oh, this is so oh, there, there are no boundaries anymore. There, there's no reality. It's all just a blurred, oh, blurred line. I just oh, my, going, my imagination going. is running just, a muck of what some person who buys this would do with it. Anyway, just, just keep going. <laughs> no wonder cross eyed. <laughs> just keep going. I don't know if it's I can. It's a Ken doll. It's a Ken doll. It's a Ken keep, doll. Going. Right. keep going. Keep going. Oh, take a breath. Everyone, especially women, loved and respected Elliot as he made everyone feel greatly appreciated and treasured. He would spend a lot of time and money making sure that his date had a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. He would arrive in a beautiful chauffeur-driven car and take them to a very expensive restaurant. This is a Ken doll. The lady who he got to know really well would be treated to weekends in Paris and abroad. He would spoil them by taking them shopping for very expensive clothing and jewellery, etc. But now he's just a doll. Um, He would treat women like royalty and he was very sweet, caring and very romantic. Elliot loves to communicate through dreams. I'm sure he does. <laughs> By the way, if you want to text in your opinion on this one, it's 0490 We'd love to know what you think of Elliot. Uh-huh. <coughs> He's making me wheeze, I can tell you that much. Okay, breathe in. <sighs> he loves to communicate through dreams. You may have his dreams of his past dates and encounters as well as his lifestyle. More importantly, you will have dreams of Elliot flirting with you or taking you on a date. When you bond with Elliot, you may have lucid dreams of him and yourself going on a date and being in a romantic situation. Elliot is very loving and special man. (laughs) He would love to meet a lady who really appreciates poetry (laughs) and even well-known poets and the lesser known unknown poets as we will be able to share our love of poems books and readings he also loves romantic films such as Wuthering Heights because that was on in the 20s the older classic films rather than the newer ones as he is an old romantic at heart he loves reading poetry and literature. I think they've said that before. Yeah, many times. Uh, and if you have such books, you will find that the pages have been turned to a specific poem or a particular chapter page. Elliot is telling me that he loves Oscar Wilde, Byron Shelley, Emily Bronte, and even some of the Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, he likes the dark stuff, mm-hmm. especially the poem Annabel Lee, which Poe wrote for his love. 
Annabelle. Please only adopt him if you feel drawn to him as he is looking for a very specific type of lady keeper, a gullible one. He sorry, that was me that put that in. He would love to be placed next to you when you read poetry and literature and you may hear his voice in capital letters reading the text to you. Elliot has very deep, watchful brown eyes that are slightly crossed. <laughs> And a very endearing smile. He does have a dazzling smile, I must say. Have you looked at the picture? I have. He is handsome. Um, He's got one of those hairstyles that some people actually see (laughs) out there. Um, They're real. Daniela says she wants one. And she wants one? Yep. She'll know exactly what to do with Elliot. Um, (laughs) Hang on, I've lost my spot. (coughs) Elliot has very deep, watchful brown eyes and a very endearing smile. I'm sure they said that before. Mm -hmm. Very protective of his keeper and will always keep negative energies and people away from you. Mm. Well, that that could actually be quite handy. That could be. You could pull Elliot out at a ghost tour. Whack people over the head, they go away. (laughs) (laughs) My my spirit doll made me do that. (laughs) So, look, all sales are final, no returns. And, look, I really do think... He's a he's a keeper. He is. He is. He's a special doll. Yeah, and he's he's about oh, six inches long. <laughs> no, a little bit longer than that. A little bit longer than that. So, have any of you had a special doll? A special doll that you actually gave special powers to? And we all kind of did that as children. I mean, we're laughing at this as adults, but we all did this as mm. children. We all of our dolls mm-hmm. had special powers. They could talk to us. Mm-hmm. We would play with them and you know, have tea parties and things, and they would lead us into doing. Oh, interesting, doing, so, what, interesting things. Oh, what interesting like playing things. Playing games. Playing games. Oh, what games, Renata? You know, spin the bottle. Help me out, the hippie people. Help me out, help me out. Strip poker? No. <laughs> no, I'm talking about children's games. Oh, okay. Yes. Is it the, the doll that the police used to say, now where did they touch you? <laughs> Don't. That's horrible. Um, this portable Christmas tree say? Oh, but now we've got Jodie here who says, how does he write straight with those eyes? <laughs> oh, look, he uses, he uses the, um, the, his telepathic connection to his human. Meanwhile, portable Christmas tree still wants to know, is he an ex-plumber or carpenter? Because otherwise <laughs> she's not interested. <laughs> oh, dear. We've got to find someone for your portable Christmas tree. Absolutely. <laughs> I just want to point out that uh, I think it was Joe made a very good point. Was it? No, it wasn't Joe. Um, somebody here has pointed out that Elliot is already married because he's wearing a ring on his finger. Oh, no. I know, right? <gasps> Naughty oh, Elliot. Naughty Elliot. Fancy that. Fancy going around spruiking poetry to women when and, he's married. And, and making their, their dates memorable. <laughs> <laughs> That would be Christy. Hello, Miss Christy. <laughs> Welcome. We have Miss Christy from Spells and Spirits. And Hi. tonight you are going to be talking about superstitions. Yes. Okay. Hit us. So, being of Asian descent, there's a lot of superstitions. But to tell you one that I have never come across, and that is having strippers at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I have to warn you, we've already got the giggle, so it's, oh. it's, it's not looking good. Wow. I know, what, I... what a story, huh? Fancy that actually happening. And look, I took that story from the ABC, and I can't remember the other, the, but there was two stories from the reputable um, sources. Yeah. 
Yeah, look, my grandmother was a very superstitious lady, so there was a lot of throwing salt over the shoulder. There was a lot of sweeping bad spirits, bad energy out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was just some really cracker stuff that she just made up herself. <laughs> <laughs> to make kids do what they're meant to do. Yeah. 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 With that, but, you know, I had a look on the internet today and there was just some very weird things around the world. Yes. In superstitions. Yes. And there's one in Mexico about not placing two mirrors opposite each other because they believe that... Um, those infinite reflections would actually open the doorway for the devil. Yes, portals. Portals to mm. hell. Yeah. That is true. A, a, lot, of, a lot of ghost hunters believe that. They, they believe that mirrors yeah. are portals. Especially if they watch the movie mm. Constantine. Mm-hmm. That is a great movie. It is. it is. It is. <laughs> I'm not picking it's got on a it very, at all. Yes. A very young and gorgeous Keanu Reeves. So. And the TV series was pretty good too. Um, Philippines has um, a tradition called pag-pag, which means never going home straight after a funeral. They believe that a bad spirit may actually tag along with you. So mm-hmm. mourners always make a stop at a restaurant or a shop. Mm-hmm. Or a strip club. <laughs> yeah, leave that bad juju there. Yeah. <laughs> Another strange one I come across was whistling inside. So in Lithuania, it's actually forbidden to whistle indoors because it's believed the noise may summon demons. I've, mm. he- I've heard the whistling inside before. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where, oh. but I do remember that one. Mm. Yeah. Very weird. Portugal, it's considered bad luck to walk backwards. So the common belief is that if you do, you're showing the devil which way you're going. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> Going down. <laughs> <laughs> Going down, down. Ooh. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously we, I think a real common one, especially on Friday the 13th, is not walking underneath a ladder. Mm-hmm. And that actually comes back, that superstition starts back in the medieval times when the, the, a ladder actually symbolised the gallows where people were being hung. Oh. So that's where that started, which mm. I found fascinating. Mm. Um, the Netherlands, you're not allowed to sing at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Um, that means that um, you're singing to the devil for your food. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> if I can eat carbs, I'm okay with that. <laughs> In Turkey, chewing gum at night time is apparently the equivalent on chewing on the flesh of the dead. What? Um, what? What? I told you, these just get stranger. <sighs> Okay. Yep. Uh, Japan, cutting your nails after dark is considered bad luck and it's a bringer of death. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's a harsh penalty just for cutting your nails. <laughs> that that is. They must be very potent nails. You know, just mm-hmm. death. Yep. Um, with that, so, you know, like I said, I had some cracker ones coming from my grandmother and, and that, but, you know, Renata, you're from... 
yeah, background. Yeah, originally. What sort of superstitions were handed down to you? Now, that's that's quite interesting, and I was thinking about this. Because um, Poland became so Catholicised, uh, we lost a lot of our superstitions or our... Um, and, like, I had no association with my grandparents. They, they perished during the war. And um, because my mother was relatively young when she left uh, Poland after the war... Um, most of those superstitions and most of those stories, unless you go digging now, um, are not remembered because it just wasn't part of their growing up. Their, their growing up was very Catholic, so there, there was a lot of those Christianized beliefs around your, your holy days and around Catholic days and, and um, Catholic uh, feast days and you know, Christmas and Easter and all that sort of stuff. So I, I've got to be plain and kind of say I don't believe that my parents handed down literally anything to me. I've actually found far more by my own digging over the last year or two because there are some great sites on the internet that um, allow me to have a look at my Slavic culture. Um, but from my parents, nah, nada. Well, interesting because I married a Pole and um, I thought for my wedding I would look up the traditions and things that you do for a wedding to, you know, bring the right juju to the wedding mm-hmm. for the, the, the other half of the family there. So I looked up, I'm thinking, you know, the Italians and the, the Macedonians, they're stuffing money into shoes and yeah. pinning money on yep. dresses. Yep. Yep. You know what the Polish tradition is? What? The bride makes her own dress. <laughs> <laughs> I won't stuff that. <laughs> Let's just stick to the Aussie way. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And look, you've got to really dig deep, absolutely, um, to find stuff. Um, it's it's kind of a revival mm. over in uh, those cultures now, and a lot of this stuff is being brought back. But it's, it's interesting um, that you talk about all of this because a lot of the people that came out to Australia were from those very superstitious countries, England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales. Oh, Ireland. That oh, had yeah. centuries of superstition. What do you think superstition actually, like, what's... What's the purpose of it? Look, with the superstitions and things like that, I, you know, again, I think a lot of it is parents saying things to children to, you know, try and get a little bit more control out of, you know, fear instead of, um, you know, for example, I think, you know, kids, you know, running down the street and trying to get them to walk in a more behavioural way, you know, nursery rhymes and things, step on the crack, break your mother's back. Mm. You know, just rhymes and things like that that I think were more to try and keep, you know, people in control. But, you know, you have to have a think back to, you know, in the middle evil times, you know, the the commons were not caroling intellect people. No. They they were so, they were kept um that they were kept in that way so they could be workers. They were kept dumb. Yeah, they were kept dumb. That's right. Yeah. You know, thunder and lightning curdles milk, you know, and that was a terrifying prospect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know, do remember my mother. Mm. I do remember my mother um, having a, a superstition, but it was more like a premonition to do with a dream, mm-hmm. that if you dreamt of a coffin on the piano, you would hear of somebody dying. And she used to occasionally have these dreams of somebody of the coffin on the piano, and sure enough, the, mm-hmm. the next day she'd get a phone call saying somebody had died. Wow. Wow. Yeah, very interesting. Wow. Look, and it's, see, and yeah. not, not a coffin, but, you know, a custom was in the UK was, um, you know, I also grew up grow, grew up being told not to put new shoes, not put not to put shoes on a table. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was actually a custom was that the they would put the person who just passed away their shoes on the table so 
everyone in the family would know that they had passed. Wow. We just did a, a whole um, episode on um, superstition surrounding cats mm-hmm. um, mm. on one of our um, other um, things that we do. And um, I'm watching a movie at the moment. It's got Benedict Cumberbatch on it. And it's about <gasps> oh, a, um, an artist who made his living on these pictorial um, editions that used to appear in the newspaper about cats. And the interesting thing that I found during this movie was that they were saying that cats didn't become popular as pets in England until the mid-1800s. Oh. Prior to that, they were just ratters, and that's it. You, you, a cat was feral outside. They kept the rats away. That's how they fed themselves. Mm-hmm. You didn't actually bring a cat inside. You didn't keep it as a pet. You didn't feed it any other food. God, don't tell my three cats they looked that. After them, and I thought, <laughs> wow, how interesting is that? Yeah. Hmm. Mm, and Jess made the mention there that uh, social conformity uh, is another way to use these um, superstitions, keep mm. everyone doing the same thing. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Now, you have your Christmas uh, goodies in at the moment, don't you, Christy? I do. I've got new cards, new books, new crystals are still coming on their way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so lots of and still plenty of time because Odd Post is actually they're pretty good at the moment. At the moment, yeah. Yes. Mm. So, um, but also yep. free local pickup as well. So awesome. Um, and you're uh, in the Maitland Maitland area, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. So if anybody wants to purchase anything, uh, they go they go online to support your small beautiful business, Spells and Spirits. Uh, Spells and Spirits dot And if there is a special gift that you would like to buy someone that you love um, or admire or is a friend of yours, jump or on yourself. on or <laughs> or for yourself. yourself. <laughs> uh, Time of giving. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, jump onto Spells and Spirits and go over to uh, Christy's shop and check out what there is in store. I'm wondering, Christy, and I know I know I'm um, I'm putting on the spot here, but I'm wondering whether you could bring something in as a gift or a prize next week when you are in studio. Well, spoil my surprise, but thank you. Yes, I am. <laughs> She's been spoiling surprises all night tonight. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you're going to be in studio with us next week, so we can't wait. That's right, and I'm going to give you a little sneak peek next week. What we're doing in studio, we're actually going to make, because the summer solstice is on the 21st, I'll be in on the 19th. So we'll actually be making a summer solstice herb pouch. Craft! Craft, I love craft. What you can do, Christy, send me the list of things that people might need and maybe we can get them all to get a little shopping list and people can do craft with us live on the radio. And they can send us photos. Way along at home. I know, I love it. All right, Christy, we're running late so I'll let you go. Thank you so much again um, for being a part of our show and uh, we'll see see you you next week. week. Yay, we can see his penis as much as we want. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. 
Have you all seen the new Ghostbusters movie yet? We've yet to go. We've got to go in. Yeah, we've got to do a review on that. Yes. Um, so next week is going to be our last show. Is that right? Before yes. Christmas? Yes. And then we're having two weeks off and we'll be back. Yes, but they will be playing the best of. Oh, boy. So, yeah, <laughs> the ones that cracked you up the most will be the ones that will be repeated. So if you've missed any of our earlier shows, then keep listening while we're away. <laughs> <laughs> we are coming back next year. Absolutely. Um, and you look, we would love you to bombard Newcastle Live Radio and say, we want Spooky Sundays for tw- to, um, for 2022. Miss um, Portable Tree, Christmas Tree here has said, my Barbie and Ken used to have sex. My parents were horrified. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sad because Skipper also had the odd fling with Ken as well. It was the 70s. Um, oh, no. My brother and I got a lump of coal each and a letter from Santa saying how naughty we were because <laughs> yeah. we tidied up um, by shoving all the mess in our bedroom out the windows. <laughs> I was devastated. We got nothing. Oh, you cr- <laughs> Krampus visited you. <laughs> I got oh. Krampus. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, and, uh, yes, Deborah, there is a series of Constantine. Uh, and if you uh, go for a search on that, it is not um, – uh, what's his name? Keanu. Not Keanu Reeves. It's a different actor, but it's really good. Mm. Um, and, yes, possibly that was my mother's um, sign for death mm. was the coffin on the piano. Mm. Now, look. Wednesday night, yes. we have got our Naughty and Nice Tarot Show on at the Wyong Milk Factory. Yes. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? It does. Um, now, it's it's going to be live. We have got our tarot readings. We've got the Chocolate Wheel of Fate. Fate. Have you got that ready to go? Not yet. No. <laughs> you better find that box, Renata. <laughs> I've got it. Yeah, I know where it is. We've got to get the blue tack out and put yep. the cards on. Yeah, I do. Um, it's a very interactive show, and it's freaking hilarious. It is. And it I'm going to bring my ukulele, and we may even sing some Chrissy carols to raise the energy for the spirit communication. Mm-hmm. The only place you can buy the tickets is from the Wyong Milk Factory website. Mm-hmm. Head over there. There is only 12 tickets left because mm-hmm. we said to them 40. They've put 50 up there, but we would prefer 40. So there's only 12 spots left. Mm-hmm. Being such a small group, yep. it means... You've got much bigger chance of getting yeah, a reading. Yeah, I'll, br- I'll bring my book of answers. So oh, why then, not? We can crack yeah, through them. We'll crack through them then, <laughs> and uh, everyone will be guaranteed to go home with something. And um, oh, geez, I was going to say something, and now I forgot. We've got no. We've got no. Um, Oh, I have a walking this week. tour. You've got a walking, walking tour, tour on Thursday night and Saturday, yeah. I do believe. I but I've got so. the weekend yep. off. Yes, you do. Looking forward to mm. it. So, guys, we will see you next week right here. And uh, we'll be putting up some posts during the week with the information that's required for Christy's uh, little craft segment mm-hmm. so that you can all play along and send photographs and everything of, of um, how what you're creating. Uh, so we'll put that up and we'll have some enormously funny and fantastic Christmas stories. Oh, Ghostly okay. Christmas stories <laughs> right, for we'll you that. because, you know, it's a, it's the last live show. Uh, in between time, if you have a spare hour, uh, check out True Hauntings podcast. Our new episode is out right now and it is all about Norfolk Island uh, and our adventures there because we're going to Norfolk Island next year and we also have some spots available for that for anyone who wants to find out some information. Once again, shoot us an email over to info at Newcastle castleghosttours.com and we will give you the information with regard to that. See you next week. See you on the dark side. Most mysteries can be solved by looking at the facts. But sometimes the facts don't give us the answer. So it's time to call in Anne and Renata.
Spooky Sundays, when the truth lies beyond a logical answer. Dive deep into the world of the unknown with real ghost stories and the unexplainable, sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. It's Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Sunday from 8pm, only on Newcastle Live.